can we also just start this by saying that right before Dan hit record, Justin goes, Nick, don't be fancy, let's just make those noises. Let's just do this. Welcome to Point of Dew. Love making noises. Justin, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I, I've been sick, but I feel better now. And allergies suck. So just say that. How are you? Yeah. I'm good. Um, do you want to answer that question with your anecdote from the week, as we usually do? <laughs> My anecdote from the week? Well, yeah. I feel like... I feel what have like, you been up to? I don't know if your anecdote is the same as mine, but last week be. we did a little bit of travel, as we said... Uh, in previous episode, we were at Loyola. Well, after that, we traveled back to Boston, and that was a fun time, wasn't it? No. Um, I <laughs> yes, it was. Um, I actually had a good t- like the memory is fun, but I didn't go to work the next day because we got home at four in the morning. Right. Right. I also think I joined the mile marker of walking the airport because I was looking for a drink, and they were like, "Yeah, the there's a a vending machine." Um, at the other end of the airport, basically. And I got there, realized the drinks were horrible, came back, got back to you, and was like, oh, I was thirsty. So, and then I walked back. And basically, myself, basically, yeah. our flight was supposed to be at 10.55 p.m. We'd be getting into Boston around midnight. It got delayed until about 1 o'clock in the morning. And then we boarded about 12.30 sat in the tarmac until about 2.07, and then took off and got home around, got to our houses around 4 a.m. Um, we landed probably at like 3, 3.30, I don't even know. Probably yes, like and the worst, the worst part about it is I'm notorious for falling asleep before we get off the ground. Um, so we get on the plane <laughs> at 12.30, I text my parents, all right, I'll be there like in a, like an hour and a half to an hour, um, and I fall asleep. And then I wake up on the ground, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I slept through the whole flight. That's great. And then I looked at Justin, and he was like, we're still in Maryland. And I was like, I'm going to kill somebody. But I didn't say that because I wanted to stay on the plane. Um, yeah, that's but... <laughs> probably better. That's good. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was horrible. We didn't get until 4, and then I didn't go to work the next day because I was a tired boy. I was going to be very shocked if you did go to work because you usually get up around 6 to go to work, don't you? Uh, 655 is when my first of like 25 alarms go oh, off. Okay. All right. So you would have gotten goes what, off. three hours yeah. of sleep. Yeah. Oh. Do you have anything that, uh, and I did wake up at seven cause I was not about to text my supervisor at four in the morning and be like, yo, I'm not coming in. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I did that at seven o'clock instead. Um, sure. Sure. yes. Uh, what are you grateful for this week? What am I grateful for? Well, I am grateful for, and this is going to sound super strange, but my my allergies, have I mentioned, as I've mentioned, have been very bad. I have terrible spring allergies, 
and <clears throat> I don't know. I, you can kind of hear there them. There they are. Congested. There they are. Yeah. Hi. How are you? <laughs> um, <laughs> so, but I am grateful for the warm weather. Um, and as well as the allergy medication <laughs> that I can take to help me survive the warm weather. At least Live. This, this, this warm weather. But Live from Justin's nose. It's his allergies. It's my allergies. Allergies are also, let me just, small little anecdote, not an anecdote, I guess, small little tangent. Uh, allergies are just so, like, stupid. It's just something that your body decides, hey, you can't be near this or it will kill you. Like, it's just, you know, like... <laughs> Speaking of stupid, it's just let's really... talk about a bill. I'm kidding. Um, what a lovely wow! Segue. What a terrible segue for me to say. Oh, they kill you, and then you can say let's talk about a bill. No, I was a stupid. I said speaking of stupid, let's talk about a bill. But no, I agree. I hate allergies. Um, I also have them. Um, Do you have spring allergies? Yes, and it's it's not fun, nor is it fresh. And now that we have COVID, every time I sneeze, I'm. Yeah. This is the end. Well, that's the thing, too, is earlier this week, I tested myself because I was like, I might have COVID because I'm coughing and sore throat and all this stuff, but it was just super severe allergies to trees. Yeah. I also tested myself because (laughs) I got a, no, seriously, I I don't even know if I told you this yet, but um, I got a text, or not a text, an Apple notification saying that I was exposed to someone with COVID um, for more than 15 minutes. Um either on the 29th or the 30th of March. So it's been a little bit now. Um, and I got this the week after. So I tested and I followed all the instructions um, and I tested negative. I didn't have any symptoms, but it was interesting um, that my phone just told me. Because uh, you can set that up on iOS. You can set that up on Android too. I'm I'm sure. I mean, it's, it's a good thing that we have that. But you know is an operating system now. I do know that's an operating system. See episode 10 to learn for yourself. Um, but yeah, I would say I'm grateful for, what am I grateful for? Uh, I've said self-care, but I'm going to say it again. Um, yeah, I'm just going to say that. Sure. I haven't really thought about it, but I I love self-care and I love, um, look, hopefulness. I'm going to say also grateful for hope, um, for the future. Uh, and grateful for you, um, or grateful to you, I guess, for having this conversation today, because I think it's a really important one. Nick and I wanted to have a discussion on the bill in Florida known as HB 1557, Parental Rights in Education. You may have heard it referred to by its uh, critics as the don't say gay bill that's come out of Florida. That's what I call it. And to be honest, I couldn't remember the letter number (laughs) name (laughs) the official name so that's why i was like justin do you want to take this one (laughs) um yes and so basically what this bill this bill had a couple of parts um and we're going to dissect it a little bit and kind of share our own opinions on it but um one of the parts specifically says and this is coming from the bill itself classroom instruction by school personnel or third parties on sexual orientation or gender identity may not occur in kindergarten through grade three or in a manner that is not age-appropriate or developmentally appropriate for students in accordance with state standards. And this is the sentence or the lines part of the bill that have kind of named it the don't stay gay bill, because essentially it is saying, well, you, any conversation in schools uh, can, about sexual orientation or gender identity may not occur in kindergarten through grade three, or, this is also important, in a manner that it is not 
deemed age appropriate or developmentally appropriate for students in accordance with state standards, whatever that means. Um, so we wanted to talk about the implications of this bill. I myself identify as a straight cisgender male, but am an ally to the LGBTQ community. I just want to name that right off the bat because I think that's important to ground this conversation in. Of VR. course, and like I have a lot of, I've grown up with a lot of friends in the LGBTQ plus community. Um, you know, looking up to Lady Gaga and growing up with her music, she's very outspoken and very much an ally. But yeah, I, I know a lot of people in the LGBTQ community. I'm surrounded by them, and you can probably guess why. And it's because I'm wildly popular. No, I'm kidding. Um, but I make with that what you will. I just want to first, because Justin, you and I had a conversation about the definition of sexual orientation versus sexuality. And I think a lot of people, when they say sexual orientation can't be taught in the classroom to kids kindergarten through third grade, I think that they're kind of confusing the definition of sexual orientation with sexuality, right? So sexual orientation is really just who, in my opinion, who you're attracted to, right? And like, I don't know about you, but I've known about sexual orientation. Maybe I didn't use those words when I was a kid, but I've known about that since I knew that my parents were together, right? Like, that's just I don't know how you learned about sex, um, or not sex, but sexual orientation, but it's just kind of something that we know, but we, I wasn't, trust me, I wasn't going around at five and being like, so the sexual orientation of my parents are, right? Yeah, it's kind of been like on the peripherals of our minds. Exactly. Kind of since, when, since we've been born, right? Since we've been old enough to kind of understand that my mom loves my dad and people right. around me love each other. And, um, you know, I feel like the idea of sexual orientation has been around. It's just ha obviously we haven't talked about it in informal ways um, right. as younger when we were younger. But we, the idea has been around for our entire lives. Of course, and I think that I mean we'll talk. I'll get into this later, but we talk about how it's kind of been like on the peripheral. Straight has been the default in conversation, right? So it's not really talked about because we don't really have to talk about it because. You know, a lot of people just assume, oh, straight is just the normal, which is not actually the case. And I also want to point out that different sexualities and different gender identities have been around since since straight people have been around. Honestly, they're just getting more representation right now. So let me just let's just start the conversation there. And let's just define it. Like, yeah, so, so definitely. So the American Psychological Association defines sexual orientation, and it says sexual orientation with a big O, um, as a component of identity that includes a person's sexual and emotional attraction to another person and the behavior that may result from this attraction. An individual's sexual orientation may be lesbian, gay, heterosexual, bisexual, queer, pansexual, or asexual. A person may be attracted to men, women, both, neither, genderqueer, androgynous, or have other gender identities. Sexual orientation is distinct from sex, gender identity, gender role, and gender expression. And so that's kind of the definition, right, Nick, that we're going to use for sexual orientation as we continue this conversation in this episode. Yes, and we talked about sexual attraction being one of the categories that might fall under a discussion of sexual orientation, right? But, you know, talking to kids, that is not what teachers will be or are explaining to that's not how you explain or, sexual orientations sexual orientation to children right i don't know how you learned about sex um but 
I learned the only way appropriate, and that was from a fifth grader who hadn't seen the video yet, but was seeing it next week and thought he knew everything <laughs> on the bus. No, I'm serious, though, but, like... Right, I, I, think, I think what you're getting at is you're saying that if parents are having these types of conversations with kids about sexual orientation, you're not necessarily using the word sexual orientation, you're not necessarily using... Right. You're just, you're using terms like, oh, you know, they like this type of person, or, they, you know, like like... Right. They it's, love it's, that type of person. It's you're very talking simplified. about the concept without using the terminology. Right. And the criticism that that is predatory or teaching kids about sexual orientation and gender identity as predatory is problematic in and of itself. And I'm, we are really going to dive deep into that. But I just want to pose like a situation that I, I, Justin and I had talked about earlier. But kindergarten through third grade, which is what the bill is aimed at, that it concerns itself with that age group or at least it it talks about explicit yes yes okay if you're a straight parent right and you're married and you think and the reason i'll say married is just because i'm gonna say mommy and daddy later so just that's why i threw married in there so but if you're straight and you're married and you think that teaching kids about the existence of gay people is corrupting their innocence just think honestly i kind of like i said before i would invite you to reflect on how you explained mommy and daddy's love for each other to your kids and if that was the way you think gay people are doing it i would suggest turning yourself in because apparently sexuality has to be taught on a triple x rated level by your definition and that's just like not the case right like a lot of the criticism that it's predatory you i kind of invite you to think about how you see gay people because there's a simple way to explain sexual orientation to both children and adults really it's the two people i'll say love each other just for the topic or just in the case of talking to kids the people that are saying that it's predatory or that it's corrupting kids i think they're more concerned about changing the status quo which is in favor of them right is in, in favor of straight being the norm i want to talk about the law right from okay. kind of like on both sides here right so yeah let's talk about what supporters are saying about it supporters say that the law allows parents to control when if and what their children learn about lgbtq topics up until right. at least fourth grade right although that right. can kind of get iffy because again the language says through third grade or in a manner that is not age appropriate or developmentally appropriate for students in accordance with state standards that could be changed right so like if right. someone says oh up until seventh grade is not appropriate right. then you know that could be taken out of schools it also says um supporters also say that kids may be too young to be exposed to these types of conversations which it's interesting because when you have conversations about race or disability or other types of conversations that are deemed heavier conversations, that that argument gets thrown into there too, right? These are kids are too young to be, let kids be kids. That these kids are too young to have these conversations, um, all that stuff. Critics, on the other hand, say that this law actively oppresses conversations about LGBTQ topics, denies the existence of LGBTQ community members in their identity, history, and culture, threatens to disenfranchise the experience of LGBTQ members, it could potentially worsen already high health and suicide risks for the LGBTQ community. So yes. those are kind of the two perspectives of where supporters of the law are coming from and where critics of the law, of the law are coming from. Well, thank you for bringing up the law because I have... So you're right, and they don't... Not you're right because you didn't say this, but... <laughs> um, 
it doesn't explicitly say gay in the bill or it, that it's aimed at um, people who don't identify as straight or cisgender. However, by eliminating those conversations, straight cisgender in our culture, not in our culture, but in the media, just in terms of, you know, general conversations has become the norm. When it's not really, it's just that's what it is like in conversation with many in in America for many people, right? That's the one that is represented um, while the others are underrepresented. So I don't know. That goes back to the, is it really an issue with talking about sexual orientation? Because it's talked about anyways, just in terms of being straight, right? Or is it more about changing the, or, or a fear of changing the power dynamic that kind of favors you? And by you, I mean a straight person. I'm not talking about Justin when I say you. I'm just speaking to people who are opposing the bill. Right. It basically, it invalidates someone's experience who may be questioning their sexual orientation or may be questioning their gender identity. And uh, as a more concrete example, it invalidates say a student is in the florida school system say kindergarten to third grade and they have uh parents that are gay mm -hmm. they're not allowed to tell or say anything to their teachers or um say anything to their peers or anyone within the school system about oh like my my dad's or my mom's are right. you know that that's that's imagine being in that situation and feeling ostracized in that case but then also if you are someone who is questioning their sexual orientation or someone who knows that their sexual orientation is not straight or their gender identity is either non-binary or not with their um doesn't agree with the sex that they were assigned at at birth imagine the ostracization um you might feel if you're not allowed to talk about that at all, right? So that's kind of what we're getting at is just this law, although there are supporters of it and there are things in it that that uh, can be seen as um, giving parents more control over the, their, their children's education, what, it's, what I see it doing more so is causing harm to specific populations of um of people in the in the florida school system which i'm assuming you mean gay queer gender yeah yeah members of the members of the lgbtq community as well as those who have loved ones who are in the lgbtq community yeah and thank you for bringing up um you know the example of a kid a little boy or a little girl or any child that doesn't identify as a boy or a girl say they have gay parents right Imagine the confusion, not only the ostracization that you were talking about, um, if that's even a word, I don't know. Ostracization. Yes, thank you. Um, but also the confusion. You look, think about when you're five years old. You look up to your parents and see absolutely, for the most part, I'm, I, I don't want to speak for everybody, but I know when I was a kid, I looked up to my parents as just like, they could not do it. They were always right. They could not do any wrong. And that wasn't because they were teaching me that. It was just like, they're your, they're your caretaker. They're just, they're adults, so they know what they're doing, right? Like, and you love them. Imagine hearing that your parents are wrong or inappropriate or sinful in some way at school 
just the confusion and the hurt that that might cause because like i said before you don't know first of all these adults are talking about it in in terms of like a sexual way right that it's like perverted or something but you're a five-year-old or a three-year-old or whatever kindergarten through third grade that you don't think about it in a sexual way you're just like oh they both love each other and and they love me how is that wrong how are they doing something wrong like just the the confusion and hurt that that causes and also the idea that a teacher can out or should out a student who comes out to them as part of the lgbtq community is that really like is this bill really for to protect kids or is it to protect you explain what you mean because we haven't talked about the part of the bill that requires parents to be notified yeah so the bill requires basically like you just said if (laughs) if i'm a teacher and a student comes up to me and says, hey, I'm gay, I would be required to report that to their parents, which just, I don't know. I would invite you to think about two things. First of all, why are they telling you and not the parent, right? Either, I mean, they might have already told the parent, but either they're uncomfortable telling the parent, and that could be because, you know, generation-wise, I would say that our generation is the best when it comes to accepting um lgbtq plus people but we have a long way to go but you know historically we've generations have been getting better at it right so there might be a reason that they're afraid to tell their parents they might not feel that it's safe to tell their parents or hear me out they might just trust you as a teacher right they trust and feel supported enough by you that they're going to tell you to tell their parents is completely shattering that trust and honestly like might even be i don't want to go too far with this but what are they going to think of adults that they trust moving forward? Obviously, if the kid is in danger, like that's different. If if somebody were to tell you something and you're they're in danger and you have to report it to the appropriate authorities, but that's what I would hope that a, a teacher would do to get them help, right? To To get them the help that they need if they are in danger. But telling a child's parents, especially if they say, oh, well, like my parents aren't accepting of it, that can put them even in even more danger, which is why I don't believe that this bill is for the protection of children. I think it's for the protection of the status quo, as I said before, which supports that straight people are the norm and people who don't not identify as straight or don't identify as cisgender are the other or are different or they're weird. That's what's tricky about this law, too, is because there is a section of the law that says Schools would be required to notify parents when children receive mental, emotional, or physical health services unless educators believe there is a risk of abuse, abandonment, or neglect. So it does protect against abuse, abandonment, or neglect. Where I find, and again, I'm not a lawyer, where I find issue with that is it doesn't, it's very vague, right? So it leaves Mm -hmm. it up to the educator or the school personnel to determine if there is a risk of abuse, abandonment, or neglect, and therefore then they would not have to report to the parent. But if there is no reason to believe that there would be any abuse, abandonment, or neglect, then it could be perpetuating any said abuse, abandonment, or neglect um, if, 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 it is, if it is being um, reported to, to parents. Something else that I wanted to bring up, too, is that According to the Trevor Project, which is a nonprofit organization that works towards spreading awareness about the prevention of LGBTQ suicide risk, kids who are surrounded by safe spaces that affirm what they are experiencing, their gender identity, and or their sexual orientation, they are less likely to attempt self-harm 
before suicide. And let's just break that down a little bit. If I am someone who is experiencing something, say it's, it doesn't have to be like I'm questioning my sexual orientation. It doesn't have to be my gender identity. Say I'm, I'm experiencing something, anything, an emotional experience. And I'm going to a trusted source. Maybe that's a teacher. Maybe that's a, another adult mentor. Maybe a peer. Maybe, um, I mean, it could be a parent. And what do you think would be better for me if I'm going to trust and disclose how I'm feeling in terms of my emotions about what I'm experiencing? Again, this is just a very general example. Do you think I would be better for me to be in a space where I feel heard, where I feel welcome, where I where I'm welcomed as I am and accepted as I am, and um, am getting you know am I being consoled and just listened to um, in that way and, and affirmed of how I'm how I'm feeling, or in a place where I I can be heard, but depending on what I say, someone who maybe I don't necessarily trust or I don't necessarily want to be involved in or um, or to, I don't necessarily want to share something with another person has to get involved because of a rule like this. I'm not sure if that really makes sense, but essentially what I'm saying is, if I'm if I'm experiencing something, right, and it's kind of having a heavy toll on me, and I'm going to enter a space and going to be vulnerable, right, and share what I'm feeling. I feel like I want to be in a space where I'm going to be comfortable, going to be heard, can be trusted, and some degree, even though as a kid, I don't really necessarily know what the term confidentiality means, know that what I'm going to be set, what I'm going to share, what is going to be said will be kept private versus bringing other people in that I don't want to be. That was really wordy. No, but I have something to piggyback off it. Um... I think that creating this space where that is okay to say, right, is teaching kids and not just, it's not just teaching, or it's not just protecting kids who are queer or just, or will learn later in life that they are. It's also teaching, it's forming allies, right? Because as I mentioned before, we tend to fear what we don't understand, right? And, and shy away from it. But if kids are taught this from a younger age, like this is the thing to people that are against gay people or homophobic or whatever um gay people aren't going to go away and they're not going to change so that is like you're either on the bus and you accept it and by bus i just mean like on the on the train you're either on the like you know you're either with the times or you're not but the, the times are not going to change for you okay acclimating your children to the way the world is going which is a kinder place is also going to help them right i think creating yeah. allies now like it's creating that is the way to create safer spaces for both um queer people or queer kids and straight kids or just kids in general let's just call them kids because like i we don't want i don't want to necessarily just be like labeling kids right like it's just it creates a safer space and it creates a kinder space because kids are going to inherit the world. Like that is just a fact of life. We are going to eventually get older and pass away and it's going to be their job then to educate their own children, right? Um, to keep this world around as long as we can, which we're also not doing a very good job of right now, by the way. But um, Well, I, I, I like the point that you made where let's have these types of conversations at an earlier age what's the harm right and there are there are arguments from the from um 
people who say no kids should let kids be kids they shouldn't be having these types of serious conversations well let's back that up by science right mm-hmm. um a yale research study showed that um kids as early as the age of three are already forming judgments about people mm-hmm. around them in terms of uh preferred playmates um, and what those playmates look like, who, how they act, things like that. So if you think that kids, it's too early for kids to have these types of conversations, okay, maybe these types of conversations, the terminology, yeah, it might be a little bit mature for children. But the fact is, ch- the, the brain, the human brain starts having these types of, um, starts observing, not even thoughts, just observing the world around them like right off the bat, right? That's how we survive, right? We have attachment to our mothers, to our fathers. We have, um, we cry when we're hungry, when we're tired, when we have a poopy diaper, right? That's just how we, <laughs> that's how we survive, right? And so if you think, okay, these conversations are, are, too, are too mature for, for a young child, well, okay, maybe the language that we're using, sexual orientation, gay, straight, you know, lesbian, you know, queer, whatever, those words might be too sophisticated for a child. But the ideas are very much in play within a child's brain, within the world around um, that a child lives. And you can try and sh- you can shelter a, shelter a child if, you, if that's what you um, decide to do. And, you know, you can that's pretend, you can pretend that uh yes i'm not i'm not encouraging it i'm saying no, i know, can I know. Be something that can happen right absolutely um, no but i the real world that we live in does not include uh, members of the lgbtq community but the truth is it does and so it's are we going to have conversations and talk about ideas of acceptance from an early age or are we going to ignore um and avoid those types of conversations because um, even though kids are already th- like thinking about it, whether they like it or not. Right. Uh, so they, they should be kids. Yes. So with that being said, I feel like it's a parent's job to guide children in the right direction to nurture. Right. Because and I think that sure. a huge act of allyship would be to have those conversations with your kids, but in a positive way. Right. I'm not saying do not. <laughs> don't water those, you know, judgments, right? Just explain to kids in the same way that you would want your existence to be explained to a child, right? If you if you're different in some way, and I don't want to necessarily use that word different, but we're all different in some in some way. So, in the same way that you would want your existence to be explained, um that's just like that's just peace, really, right? Like it's not that difficult. And to be honest, I, I meant just going back to t- using sophisticated words and understanding sexual orientation. Um, I say this, you know, partially as a joke, but it's also true. Like, I don't need to know, like, about sexual preferences in order to, under- like, your specific sexual preferences in order to understand your love for someone else, right? Like, as an adult, and I said this to you before the episode, like, it's not like in a, at a straight wedding or whatever it's not like oh you may now kiss the bride and also what are you guys into like right like it's just like i don't need to know and kids don't what do you like, mean I, what do you, I think you have to explain sexually what, what you mean sexually into. like oh. what are you into like for fun um 
we don't that's not like what we talk about when we're talking about sexual orientation right i'm not like oh you're straight well what do you do for although i will say a lot of straight people ask that question inappropriately oh you're gay well who are you a top or a bottom which is like whatever um that's interesting because i've never asked somebody who's straight like oh what do you guys like to do in the bedroom but that's just I'm, I'm going off on another tangent but that we don't need that part of the conversation to talk about sexual orientation right basically you're separating the conversation about sexual orientation and gender identity from uh sexuality as defined as your sexual preferences and, and turn-ons not necessarily right. who you're attracted to but more so what turn-ons kinks other things like that does not need to be a part of that conversation because they're separate conversations is what you're saying yes and speaking of kinks um <laughs> stream kinky by kesha because it's just a phenomenal song and our two guests from episode 14 elizabeth and rachel would agree it's one of our favorite songs what a pop banger i also just want to point out too that a lot of the criticism involving oh well you know there are some people that want to teach kids about, like, you know, sex young. That That's not what this bill is about. Or that's not what the opposers of this bill are saying at all. That not, that's not what they're saying. It's a straw man argument, right? To be like, oh, but there are some kids. Well, yeah, you know what? And there are some straight people that want to do that too. And we don't call them gay or straight or teachers. We call them predators, right? And that's not what the people opposing this bill the vast, 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 vast majority of these people are trying to protect protect children by opposing this bill. And protect, honestly, protect adult and queer families. I follow, there's a uh, family I follow. Um, they're two dads with two twin boys, and they had parents' day at their school. And the kids are, I think, like seven. And the parents were nervous because they were felt like they were going to be on display, basically in front of all of these kids like what are they going to think moreover what are my kids going to get questioned on like are their friends going to say you know or their classmates and they said that no comments other than from the kids saying oh wow i wish i had two dads and again that's not in a oh i i now i'm gay or now i want to be gay or now i want gay parents it's just from a 7 year old point it's oh i love my dad i wish there were two of him not, I don't want a mom. Right, right. It, it, it's on you. Honestly, that that's an interesting point that I think I, I I tried to bring up a little bit earlier, but I don't know how well I explained it. Of basically saying, right, if what say one of the arguments for this bill is, you know, quote unquote, to protect children from the knowledge or just just the exposure to whatever you whatever have you and this is not something that i believe but like you know to the existence of lgbtq people in the world right so if 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 a child has a mother and a father they don't have to um all of a sudden be bombarded you know quote unquote being bombarded by the thought of oh what if like there's there's people out there who have two fathers or two mothers considered quote quote protecting them from you know i don't know lgbt the existence of lgbtq community the right, LGBTQ it's not community. protecting it's sheltering. the other side the other side of it is what if a child has two fathers or two mothers and then they're being told oh that's not normal to have the normal thing is to have a father and a mother then they're being disenfranchised and so 
you're harming the child of a homosexual couple because you're saying that their experience is not normal or weird or um you know whatever adjective or wrong or whatever adjective you want to put there yeah i agree i also just want to talk because you mentioned you know protecting them from and that's not your belief i know um the the, the other are the other side of the argument is protecting kids from i guess the existence of lgbtq people um and making that synonymous with protecting them with from the idea of sexual orientation kids are exposed to sexual orientation and this is first i just want to say this is not an argument that i came up with on my own this is a very well-known argument but they're exposed to sexual orientation not just from the moment that they have parents right but also just in children's shows right i grew up watching i mean full full house is a family show right and that's not even a cartoon but full house is a family show i grew up knowing that aunt becky and uncle jesse loved each other right um i grew up watch i didn't personally grow up watching them but i watched um bell princess bell dance with a beast i watched two <laughs> ogres right a, a, right, right a, yeah. a princess kiss an ogre and turn into one which is what i think i i swear that's what i think like people who are afraid of gay people happen like they're just gonna turn right well, she like, was gonna see it fiona was already an ogre to be to be fair true she was cursed yes <laughs> um, but i think that's what you know opponents of lgbtq families think i think that they think they're gonna see a gay person and just turn gay um but no there are so many different examples i guess the dogs in uh the lady and the tramp i haven't seen that movie i'm really exposing myself for not knowing a lot of disney no but i think you're i think you're bringing up a really interesting point of people oftentimes when they talk about the the quote-unquote effect the lgbtq movement could be having on the country whatever the fact they're they're talking about the external effect external effects let's say right like like oh if i see a gay person it's gonna i'm gonna become gay the fact is a lot of these a lot of the dialogue um within at least in, from my, what i've heard from from uh my friends who are part of the lgbtq community as well as um you know some, some some research that i've uh looked into some studies that i've read not research i've done personally but studies that i've read a lot of the dialogue's internal right if i'm if i'm questioning my sexual orientation i'm not thinking necessarily about the influences that have caused me to think about my sexual orientation i'm thinking right. about i feel like i'm attracted to members of the same sex i have to think about that internally i it's not because oh my friend over there is attracted to to members of the same sex so therefore maybe i want to be cool and i want to do that that's it's not it could right. be for some people that could right. be I mean, not like a catalyst but from from a lot of what i've read and from what i've heard about and what i've heard people um who have come out as gay talk to me about certain things it's it's more of an internal process um of of self-discovery right more so than yes. being influenced by the media or by people in your surroundings and saying oh like maybe that's that's this is how I, who i am because this is the people the, who i'm surrounded with it's yes. less so that case the only influence in my opinion going on is that these surrounding people are saying it's okay it's okay you feel that way. absolutely and they're affirming it i was a karate instructor for kids for about six years i think five years um 
and a lot of, so it ranged from like four-year-olds to 14-year-olds and obviously the four-year-olds weren't doing like karate per se but they were just learning to really move their bodies right like that's a um one of them i remember uh said this is my girlfriend sitting next to him um and everyone thought it was cute so just i guess i that does i don't even think that needs an explanation i just kind of put that out there to reflect on honestly because had the situation without you know go opening up this conversation too much because i really just want it to be a reflective thing um for listeners if that were a boy sitting next to him what would that have been what what would the reception have been what would have made the situation different in terms of like it no longer being cute i think that was important to say because i felt like the example came out of nowhere at one point and then i was like okay that's right that yeah no i perfectly yeah I think we should figure out a way to summarize everything we just said. <laughs> yes. Um, Basically, my bottom line is that people who support this bill, I believe, are just afraid the status quo is just going to flip, right? And that they're going to somehow lose rights or be, you know, oppressed because, I guess, gay people are being respected and honored as human beings and people who do, don't identify as cisgender are respected as human beings, right? But that's not the goal of this, and it's not what's going to happen. The goal is equality, and it hasn't happened yet, and that's why we continue to talk about it. That's my bottom line. And if you really, I really think that if you really want to protect kids, this world is changing in terms of how we view the LGBTQ community, and that isn't going to change if you're homophobic, right? It's it's just, it's going to make it the world not as good of a place but people are still going to continue to accept and honor lgbtq people i think the only kids you're hurting by supporting this bill are one the people the kids who are queer or have queer family members or friends and also your own kids because you're sheltering them and you're sending them off into a world that is kinder and you're not giving them those kind tools themselves to fit in yeah, my I think my bottom line is as someone who is constantly working every single day of my life to create a world that is welcoming, that is inclusive, that I feel everyone can belong. Um I don't think erasing or removing a topic of conversation from schools um and, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be part of curriculum, I guess, but like, you know, even that could be harmful, right? Like just, I think I've always thought that knowledge is power and the right. more knowledge that you can provide your children with to go out into the world. And again, I'm not a parent either, so I, I, I have no right. exper parental experience or anything like that. Um, but I always find that knowledge is power. And what I am worried about, like I said, as as someone who really, really, really advocates for creating a world, creating spaces where everyone can feel like they belong, where they feel like they are welcome, where they feel comfortable, I think removing certain topics because of specific identities or because of specific factors of someone's identity um, can be harmful. And so I think creating a law where, you know, in 
in grades kindergarten through grade three or you know because it's so vague and any age appropriate developmentally appropriate for students in accordance with state standards i think that can be harmful and i can i think it could perpetuate already high risk mental health concerns that members of the lgbt community already face um and so I think that's why I want to have this conversation. And Nick, you want to have this conversation. It's just kind of, to, let's just start a discussion, right? That's what every episode of this podcast is, is we're going to start a discussion. We're going to share kind of what we think about um, things and, and let's have a conversation, you know? And I thank you for being willing to have that conversation on air. Absolutely. I mean, like I said, I, my goal is I, I want to live in a world where everyone can be can be seen as they are, accepted as they are, and can live a happy life. And, you know, I honestly, we, we joke about this being former campus, Loyola Campus Ministry interns, but um, there was, there was a, a call and response that we used to do in formation meetings and retreat, and it was, um, I would say to you, Nick, I see you. And I would say, I am here. And I am here. And then he would say to me, Justin, I see you. And I would say, and I am here. And that is just a very simple call and response, a very simple act of saying, I see you, and, and someone responding, I am here. And that has inspired me in so many different ways, really, really ways that I hadn't really thought of, to just think about how we can see people who are in our lives, people who are not in our immediate lives, like people who live far away, people who are different than us. And that's what I'm trying to strive for is to see everybody as they are, listen to their stories and accept who they are um, and, and, and encourage and help people to live happy, successful, joyous lives. So um, I, I think yeah, that's the perfect way, Justin, to end the episode. And I would, yeah, let's just end it by saying, um, inviting everyone to see people. Absolutely. All right. My name's Nick Gervasi. And I'm Justin Dew. You can reach us at our email, pointofdewpodcast at gmail.com, or by sending us a voice message on our website, anchor.fm forward slash pointofdew. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at pointofdewpodcast and Twitter at pointofdew. If you enjoy our show, give us a rating or review in the Apple Podcast Store. That really helps us, guys. Or share us with a friend or family member. We'd really appreciate it and are truly grateful for your support. As always, we hope you have a great week. Thank you for listening. And until next time, H. Make it through That's how we're gonna die Never looking back No doubt